Health Fuels Hustle, a podcast for business owners looking to create their own brand of work-life balance. This podcast is for creatives looking to improve their health naturally and funnel that energy into the work they live and love. I'm your host, Amy Koretsky, an acupuncturist, herbalist, and health coach for creatives. Hey, y'all. This is Amy, and you're listening to Health Feels Hustle which you probably know by now since you clicked on this. Um, I'm really excited about today's podcast. Um, For those of you that don't know Sarah Faith Godestiner, I first encourage you to click on season three, episode five of this same podcast, where we talked um, together about working with the phases of the moon. And it's a really good introduction to her work if you've never been exposed to her before. Um, If you are familiar with her, well, then let me tell you a little bit about her. Um, Sarah Faith Godestiner is a creative living in Los Angeles. She designs, consults, teaches, reads tarot cards, and writes. Sarah has run her feminist apparel and print business, Modern Women, since 2007. Since 2004, Sarah has been studying the tarot, magic, and the moon. She's been an intuitive tarot reader and teacher of the metaphysical since 2011. She's also the author, editor, and publisher of the cult classic Many Moons for the last three years. Um... Sarah's fucking amazing, and you're going to love this interview. Honestly, we talk about so many different things. We talk about her journey, making the Many Moons workbooks, and like how, like what it takes to channel that much information and the way that she cared for herself and cared for her body when doing that. We talk about moving past working with only like really specific phases of the moon and into this idea of working with it as a whole and full cycle. Um, We talk about practices for cultivating intuition and trust. And one of my favorite conversations was uh, when we talked about what it means to quote unquote, be a healer and how we can like take back our own power as being our own best healers. Um, As an aside, I want to mention that you've maybe heard me talk about my monthly offering monthly medicine, which is a breathwork subscription that I've been doing for the last uh, six months or so. And going forward, that's going to change a little bit. And I'm thinking about switching that to Patreon. So by the time this podcast airs, I may have already made the official move from having it be a service that I kind of manage myself to having it be through Patreon. And the reason why I do that um, is actually somewhat influenced by this conversation with Sarah because both her and I have a lot of anti-capitalist ideals while still being creative entrepreneurs, um, which takes some fluidity and flexibility in how we create offerings and how we bring those offerings to our supporters. One thing that I really want to do with Monthly Medicine that's really, really important to me is Um, take away the hierarchical scale of like certain people pay this amount and get this thing on Patreon and certain people pay a higher amount and get more things on Patreon. Um, If you're not even sure what Patreon is, it, you can look it up online. It's really great. It's a crowd funding source way of people um, supporting content makers. So because I'm creating this podcast, it's coming out here in the world for free for all of you. Um, It's a way that you can support me since this podcast isn't really making any money for me and actually costs money to produce. Um, So what I'm interested in doing is having several different 
tiered offerings, you could say, but yet having the same gifts being give, given for all tiers. Because I want to take away that hierarchical of because you can afford this one thing, you automatically get more value from it. I think that everyone deserves healing. Everyone deserves um, the gifts that I can provide through breathwork subscriptions and through the live sessions that I do with the monthly medicine community. And while some people might be in certain financial situations and other people might be in other financial situations, <clears throat> and also because of the marginalization that happens um, in our capitalist society, um, this is one small way that I can fight that system. And so I'm planning on doing that. Uh, I really encourage you to check me out on Patreon. Since I haven't set it up yet, I can't give you the name yet, but I'm guessing if you just search my name, Amy Koretsky, under there, you will find it by this time the podcast is live. Going from there, I'm really excited to share this interview with you. Sarah is a dream to talk to, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. Have fun. All right. So today on the podcast, I'm super excited to have Sarah Faith Godestiner back on the podcast. So, um, for hey. any, <laughs> yeah. Um, Sarah was on the podcast last season as well in season three, episode five. So if anyone wants to learn a little bit more about, um, her business practices and all of the different businesses she run, cause not only is she an artist and a witch and, um, Although she doesn't use this title, I think a lot of other people might call her a healer of sorts, and she reads tarot. And you can learn all about that in that episode. Um, but in this episode, I really wanted to kind of dive straight into it because um, overwhelmingly, people wanted you to come back on the episode on Aww. the podcast. Thank you, everybody, sweet listeners. Here I am. Your your wish is my command. <laughs> well, let's talk about wishes because I feel like a lot of what um, a lot of what like witchcraft is is like sending out wishes to the universe and whatnot and so right now um you are at the very end stage of completing um the sixth book of the many moons workbook so there were two books a year for three years and um in it you talk about manifestation and and witchcraft and stuff but do you want to talk a little bit about um your own wishes with this work of like what went into all of this Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that my intention with all of these books were many, 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 many things. The, the biggest um, intention that I had was to spread ideas of self-empowerment to large groups of people. Um, I really wanted these cornerstones of intuition, building self-love, building a relationship with self-trust, as well as um, providing like a toolkit of all different kinds of things um, for people to try to, uh, yeah, create uh, a life of their dreams or improve their life or focus on themselves. Um, that is the main intention. And with a real focus on kind of people who tend to be overlooked in new age community and in spirituality, which are queer people, black people, indigenous people, people of color, trans people, genderqueer people, uh, sick people, 
um, depressed people, uh, you know, people who have, um, you know, challenges that are both systemic, um, as well as maybe, you know, neurodivergence or, you know, I just feel like in, um, new age thought or in a lot of new age reading I've read, um, and even witchcraft, uh, craft reading I've read, there's a real emphasis on sort of like a heteronormative, um, like straight white, love and light, let's, um, you know, try to get a house, a car, um, without sort of thinking about the fact that maybe we don't want, maybe someone doesn't want to get a house or a car, or maybe someone's just trying to pay their bills, or maybe someone is on, you know, Medi-Cal or social security and, and, you know, needs to actually think of their health first, or, I mean, we're, we're in so many different places, so many of us that I feel like, I also feel like uh, new age thought uh, also tends to mimic capitalism in the sense that it tries to sort of sometimes brainwash us into thinking we want certain things, um, you know, and if we don't have the car or the this or the that um, externally or a lot of money, we're, we're not doing it right or we're not magical or if we don't even want to try to have those things. And, and I just think that I wanted to sort of... Um, the deeper and deeper I got with this project, the more I wanted to unpack those ideas and provide as inclusive um, a platform for people to work with. Um, and so this uh, this last workbook, I talk a lot about that. So I talk about like deprogramming for witches and I talk about, um, you know, decolonizing your own practice. I talk about shame, I talk about a ritual that requires absolutely nothing and is for nothing. And that could be for someone who can't move or, you know, who has impairments in other ways. And, um, I just kind of really, I talk about death. I talk about grief. Um, you know, I just kind of go there with this one because it was going to be the last one. And I just wanted to really also come to terms with my own ideas at this moment. Cause our, you know, we, we change our minds all the time with more things that we and our own practice but I kind of wanted to sort of have that snapshot of this moment in time and um yeah and rant and <laughs> no I I love that you're talking a lot about like the deprogramming and um the shedding and the death cycles because that's a lot of um that's a lot of like waning moon times and like dark moon times mm -hmm. as opposed to thinking about waxing moon times and um you know growing something it's talking about like shedding things and getting rid of breaking down barriers and breaking down systems and whatnot and I feel mm -hmm. like especially in the like creative business community there's this idea of like getting super woo, -woo to like manifest things it's all about like growing something as opposed to like mm -hmm. breaking things down and I really love that mm -hmm. a lot of what your work is doing is talking about um the breaking down just as much as the building mm -hmm. up or even like questioning, well, first of all, I'm like, I could answer all of your questions for 10 million years. So I'm just going to try to whoop, uh, con condense it into just a couple of minutes. I mean, this, the other thing about, you know, the workbooks as I was taught and as I have worked with cycles of the moon, it's not just about a new moon or a full moon. It's not just about, yes, let's wish upon a star and, you know, build, 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 grow, 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 get, get, get. It's a, it's a huge holistic cycle um, of which there are many nuanced steps, um, but it 
it has to be balanced. We have to have the waxing with the waning. We have to have the dark moon with the full moon, you know, so on and so forth. It's all sort of part of a bigger picture, which is this process, you know, and I think that um, for many people who are listening, who are, um, I think probably a lot of people who would call themselves healers, right, are listening, like service, like providers, business owners. There's a variety, but yeah, some yeah. of them definitely. We all know that there is a real process. We know we have to rest. We know that we have to get rid of the things in our lives that aren't working, as well as focus on the things that are, you know, uh, without without that balance, um, you know, the bigger picture doesn't quite um, smoothly you move together kind of as much. So, um, yeah, that's so the moon cycle for me is a holistic cycle. It's not just, oh, let's do a full moon candle and call it a day. It's like, well, what am I getting rid of? What am I afraid of? What do I have to give up? What do I have to sacrifice? Who is this going to impact? Who is this for? What is my real intention? Why do I want to grow my business? Do I even need to grow my business? Et cetera, et cetera. Like, I think these are the questions we should be having as business owners, not make more money, make more money, make more money. Like at what cost? You know, I mean, maybe we can all have our four hour work day that like we're all we've all been promised. Um, But I I don't know. Can I just say that I don't even think I would be happy like working only four hours. Like I like doing my work. Like part of the reason why I do this work is because I like it. And I think that that whole idea of a four hour like work day is kind of that's another one of those like shoulds that, you know, society or whatever the book publishing community is like putting on us of. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 100%. It's like, yeah, why would you want to work four hours if you love what you do? Isn't the point of what you do to love what you do? You know, like, isn't that why so many business owners are workaholics because they actually just like doing what it is that they're doing? You know, that's another topic, I'm sure. But um, I don't even remember what your question was. I'm so sorry, Amy. We just got, I just got off on one thinking about all this stuff. Um, Where were we? I don't don't know. We're all over the place. Um, One of the things that you were saying that I really liked that was making me think about just like health and healing in general is, you know, what are we giving up, including what are we taking? And that kind of reminds me of like when, um, when we're sick and, you know, you have had historical like health problems. I've had historical health problems and both of us have like not only had to add things to our lives to make ourselves healthy, but we've also had to give up things like stress being one of the big ones, like really being kind of severe almost at like cutting out certain parts of our mm-hmm. life that cause a lot of stress, stress because it's not just like that magic pill where like we're going to take a prescription pill and everything is going to be mm-hmm. like magically better. Totally. Yeah. Living with a chronic health condition will radically alter, uh, you know, the ways in which you live your life 100 percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, actually, it's funny. I talk about this idea of sacrifice uh, in one of the chapters in in the upcoming book and this idea of, um, you know, a lot of times in our culture, we're taught that a sacrifice is kind of bad or to give something up or to let go of something or to close a business or if something isn't working or something. But in fact, like, I think we're living in a world now more than ever that we need to hold certain sacrifices as really non-negotiable and imperative. And I'm actually thinking about sacrifices like I've been thinking a lot in my own life 
of the things I need to do to help the collective or help the whole. Like what I'm talking about specifically are sacrifices I have to make, like no longer buying certain packaging or not going out to eat as much so because I'm not like wasting things or um, just thinking about my consumption. Like that's one level. And then there's like, as a white person, getting over my fear of speaking out or losing friendships or relationships or something, you know, in order to kind of speak out against white supremacy and fold that more into my business. Like I think about these sacrifices that I may never get a payback on. I may never see. In fact, you know, in my life, I might be really bummed because I'm not going out to eat anymore or like whatever, you know, um, or I won't go into a store if I don't have like my um, tote bag. Like that's a new one for me. Like if I don't have like a tote bag, I'm like, well, I guess I'll just consciously go back home and then do my errands. Like I've just really been thinking about the kinds of sacrifices that I have to start making more seriously that might help the planet or humanity or the collective kind of further down the line. And I think that um, we have to start taking those sacrifices um, really seriously in our own lives. You know, that doesn't necessarily have to do with health, but we could definitely apply it. You know, we could, I think a lot of times we want to see results really immediately, you know, like, well, if I, like, I remember in the early stages of my disease diagnosis, I was like, I'll just do anything. Like if someone tells me to like, if I have to sleep for 13 hours a day or drink 97 glasses of water or take this weird pill made out of seaweed and, you know, goat hair, like I'll take it, I'll do whatever, you know. And then you realize, well, actually, like it's a larger system. You have to kind of actually overhaul your life and you actually have to try things not knowing if you're going to get the thing, not knowing if you're going to get healthy, not knowing if you're you know, going to get better or feel better. Um, and, and it requires kind of commitment and trust, which I'm sort of circling back to, which is sort of this baseline of any kind of magical practice, which I think a lot in my own practice about. And I try to talk about building, you know, every many moons for the last, like, I think three or four always starts off with at least one entry around like self-love because I think that's this basis, this like you, you have to have, it sounds so corny. No, it's totally true though. You know, we have to have this like self-respect and this self-love and along with that, especially um, in this upcoming one, I talk a bit about intuition. I think I have two or three separate topics around intuition. We have to have perfect trust. We have to trust in what we're hearing or what we're feeling or what we know that we can't put language to, um, you know, that mystery that we're not, that we're taught in our culture to literally ignore, literally be like, Oh, if you can't prove this, you know, it's not true, you know? Totally. And like, not only ignore it, but actually give our power away to other people, like people who are quote unquote experts at this or like experts at that. And, and when they say something there, it's all about making us like second guess our own intuition around it. And so what it really comes down to, like what I'm hearing you say is it comes down to not just like, you know, having this general sense of trust, but really trusting in yourself and trusting in like the connectedness of yourself to everything around you absolutely absolutely yeah and it's just an it's always it's like an ongoing process you know mm-hmm. sometimes we get hit over the head like frying pan style too like you know we won't believe something or we 
we won't believe ourselves and then they'll just be like signs over and over and over and over again until we're like, okay, all right, I, I, I get it. I get it. You know, I, I've heard the same person say the same thing seven times or in a day or, you know, something like that. You're like, okay, okay. You know, and that's where obviously like synchronicity comes in and things like that. But, um, really trusting ourselves, uh, wholeheartedly because we know what's best. I love that. How did all of that kind of come into play in writing it? Like, so you were channeling like a lot of information over the last three years. Like how many pages do you think you wrote all together? I don't know. Uh, probably like, I don't know. Uh, I'm so bad at math. Uh, do, do, maybe like almost a thousand or something, you know? So that's a lot of writing. Like that's a lot of channeling. That's a lot of trust in your own like what you're hearing and what you're feeling and what you're writing. And so for you, like what sort of practices helped you really cultivate that trust? Um, it was an interesting process to transform, um, you know, part of the ways I make my living as being a tarot reader and the portion of that as being a tarot reader is being a channel. What I mean by that quite simply is that I channel information that doesn't come from me. It comes from outside of me, um, from other sources, whether that's guides or source or muses or, um, my clients guides or my clients, uh, deceased relatives or kind of anything like that. You know, some people, I guess would call it psychicness. Um, so that was always really kind of, uh, a separate thing, and then, you know, whenever I had doubt with this project, um, because I wrote the book predominantly on nights and weekends, like after, my, you know, I didn't like, first of all, the first two books made absolutely no money. Um, they just took a lot of time. Um, so, you know, I wasn't kind of doing this as sort of a career kind of thing. So I didn't shelve my own business. I didn't, you know, I didn't like stop working kind of regular office hours, so to speak. So I did it nights and weekends. And there are many times that I would be filled with doubt or stressed out. Um, and, you know, I have, I, I frequently talk to my guides. Um, and so, you know, I would just say, hey, like, I, I'm, I'm scared or I'm anxious. And they always would, you know, the message was always just like, get out of the way and we'll come in. Like, you just have to make the time, sit down, and like, we'll come in, you know, and, um, they did. So that was really helpful. And then the other thing I did with the beginning of every book, I asked my guides, my higher self, again, whatever you want to call it, whatever makes you feel comfortable listening to me speak about this stuff. Um, you know, what's sort of the theme, like, what do I need to do to get this book out into the world? And they were all really, really, really markedly different. One was, just like the image was like the eight of pentacles, just work, just sit down, just work, just do it. I, I, I wrote that book. It was the third one. I wrote it on planes, trains. Like I wrote it when I was visiting like family, I would just, you know, get up early and write it. I just was like the little eight of pentacles person, like just sort of like work, 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 work. I just like did. Yeah. Just like head down, did that one was, they were like rest. And I was like, are you like, are you come on, like, sh stop it. Like, because they're like, they can have a sense of humor. Um, they can be kind of cheeky. And they're like, I rest. And so I would rest or I would do yoga or I would meditate a lot. And I would just get full downloads. I'd have to like run out of yoga class and write it down because I would be afraid of, um, you know, losing it. And then this last one was the weirdest one. 
Um, but it was the, the message was just live. And I was like, yeah, you know, and they're vague. They're always vague with me. So I'm like, uh, you know, I roll. Um, and I was like, but okay. And, and what they meant was like, don't, I have a tendency as, as someone who is a workaholic who has workaholic tendencies to just shelve everything in my life at the, at the, you know, uh, expense of the project time with my partner, time with friends, time going to movies. And I really took what they said seriously. And I, I, I would say that, um, my sort of patron card for this last workbook was the nine of pentacles, which is like, you know, a person who's really enjoying life and who's not putting off until tomorrow to like enjoy their life and, and be comfortable and, um, just be sensuous and, and their body. And, and I really tried to do that. And I definitely did the best job this time at just like going to an art lecture or going away or going to a friend's birthday. Whereas before I think I, um, would be sort of masochistic and just be like, no, no, you know, I, I got to finish this chapter or something. Um, and it all worked out, you know, I'm going to be like maybe a week later, this book's coming out maybe like a week later, but it is like 50 more pages than any of the other ones either. So, um, that's how it all worked out. I love that. I love that, that having that sort of like, you know, patron card or, you know, that card that you could um, really connect to during this one was the Knight of Pentacles. Cause I feel like that um, also is like that permission that you need so that you're not like you were saying maybe before you wouldn't actually like go out and do stuff, but not now you're, you're doing that and you're not going to beat yourself up about it in the process. Cause I feel like that's something that I myself, and I know a lot of other people do a lot, like we'll still, we'll go do the thing, but then in the back of our head, there's that like, Oh, but you still have all this work to do. And like the, all that to do list that's just like running through your head all the time so Mm -hmm. I mean there'll always be an end the 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 end the to-do list is the endless scroll that the to-do list is the new scroll you know what I mean there's never going to be something not to be done ever if you're uh running your own business that's just the way it is you know totally um can we switch gears a little bit I want to ask you about your new flower and gemstone elixirs that you just came out with with dory midnight um can you tell us a little bit about them yeah i love them actually it's funny they're uh they're i have one right on my desk right now that i should probably take before i uh, talk about them um yeah i have been a massive massive fan of dory midnight dory midnight is um an herbalist a teacher a writer an artist a healer of an essence maker extraordinaire. Um, she runs her own very successful business. She's been doing this for so long, um, since like the nineties. Um, she's just someone I really respect her ethics, her ethos, her sense of humor. She's just everything. She's awesome. So we've known each other for a while and we both felt called to work together. So a couple of years to get a couple of years ago, we got together and spent a day, uh, brainstorming and working with um, different crystals and um, herbs and came up with this product line. Um, but because we do things in our own way on our own cycle, which is not a business go, 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 it just took a while because, you know, the uh, test formulas had to be made. Um, we had to both work with them. We both had to agree on them. The labels had to, you know, all of this stuff. So it's a love project uh a love letter to the moon which another love letter to the moon that dory and i collaborated on 
And there are three different potions. There is a dark moon potion, a full moon, um, and a new moon. And you can take them either at the time of the moon phase it is, or if you want to cultivate more of those qualities. Like I have a friend who is using the full moon and she was like, I was using the full moon and I'm starting to feel more grateful. And I'm like, oh, I got to take those. I need to feel more grateful. Um, You know, so anytime you want to kind of uh, commune or connect or have added support of those energies, you can, you can take those. So I'm really excited about them. They feel really good. Our feet, the feedback's been really great. Um, we really enjoyed making them. Um, and it was just like a fun project that we did together. But I, I told Dory, we still have to make one more, we have to make an eclipse formula. Ooh, so yeah, I love we'll do that. that. That's awesome. I'm really excited to try them. Um, does Lacey have them at the future? Do you know? Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, I'm gonna have to go yeah. say hi to her and pick a couple up. Um, cause are really are you gonna it. are you gonna have Lacey on your podcast? That is a really good idea. I should ask Lacey uh, to be on the I podcast. I would love to hear an interview with you and Lacey. Just putting it out there into the Ethernet. I love hanging out with Lacey, so it would not you wouldn't have to twist my arm to like just press record on a conversation. That's not a problem Yay. at all. <laughs> Um, I like what you said about the cultivating some of the energy, like not necessarily using it around that moon time, but using it um, just to cultivate the energy. So like I have you checked to see, like, do you know what moon cycle you were born under? Mm-hmm. What were you born under? A waning moon just before a new moon. And I was born like on a dark moon. So literally like right before um, the new moon. And so sometimes I feel like really connected to that moon like whenever that cycle of the moon comes up so it's interesting though because um so I was born on like a dark moon so like right before a new moon but I usually bleed with the full moon um and I feel like mm, I'm not sure why that is but I tend to feel better around that new moon time because Mm -hmm. I'm ovulating that. And so Mm -hmm. I like have more energy versus when Mm -hmm. I am bleeding and I just want to like curl up in bed and watch some Netflix Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And so, um, I don't know. That's just kind of interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, I am a huge fan of waiting moon and dark moon. I think it's the most, not that I don't want to put qualifiers on anything. It's a very transformative and potent time. Um, you know, traditionally the dark moon is three days before the new moon, you know, time period. Um, and uh, the power of like three comes up as you know, Amy, a lot in the craft and, and kind of the occult and things like that as three being this number of transformation because it's goes beyond the binary, you know, it's which like, I hope we're all trying to get, (laughs) get over, get over that darn binary, um, and to make something greater and bigger and more expansive, you know, um, there's so many stories about, um, people going underground. Like, I think, was it, I'm so bad at this. Was Jesus, did he, did they get, was it a three day period of like death and rebirth? I think three you and I are like two Jews sitting here I having know. this conversation. So we are not, I know the but Jesus was a Jew as all my Jew, Jewish family members love to remind me. Um, I, anyway, the point is in time. That this 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 resurrection and this rebirth is really uh, very much associated with a dark moon time. It's also you know a lot of practitioners think that it's the the time where the veil is thinnest, right? Because you know the moon isn't in the sky; it's the sky is at its darkest. 
uh, obviously depending on what season we're in. And it's a time for you to really, you know, access that intuition that we've been talking about, as well as quite frankly, you know, it, it is the opportune time to do shadow work and shadow work. In my opinion is if we don't really address our shadows, if we don't really work on integrating on loving and accepting all of our parts, it won't matter how many mansions or cars or accolades or whatever the thing is that we're getting because we'll always be on the hamster wheel sort of trying to either deny or run from these parts of us that bring us shame or guilt or weigh us down or, you know, kind of something like that. So for me, this waning moon, this dark moon time, if we feel called to work with, you know, to do shadow work magic, if we do feel called to look into a black mirror or to sob and cry or, you know, to really connect with those parts of ourselves that need love and attention, um, you know, we get a deeper integration of all the aspects of ourselves, which is personally, like, basically my main goal in life right now, yeah. you know? So, uh, so yeah, you know, no moon phase is better or worse or, you know, it, they're all really, really powerful and really, really remarkable. I think of shadow work as some of, like, the ultimate healing, you know, just because what you're saying, you know, it's the the things that hold the most shame around us is what's going to um, create the most energy imbalances like within our bodies as well like not just our physical bodies but like our entheric bodies and whatnot so I absolutely feel like shadow work is um, you know it's uncomfortable and that's part of the beauty of it and that's part of the healing and learning to be comfortable with the discomfort and um, the dark moon time is like one of my favorite times to do breath work uh, breath work is one of my favorite healing modalities and like my favorite way of gaining more of that self-love self-trust um, trust in something bigger than myself and mm -hmm. the dark moon is my absolute favorite time to do that mm -hmm. I love it um, can you share with us a little bit about what like healing practices you employed during the last couple of years as you've been, you know, doing so much work. I mean, cause you've been working a day job, you're a designer, you're reading tarot, you're writing these books, like you said on the nights and weekends. And so you're really putting yourself out there in a lot of ways. So obviously you have to have a lot of boundaries, but you're also doing a lot of healing work as well. Um, mm -hmm. Can you share it all as to like what you like to employ for healing? Yeah, I mean, do we have all day? I mean, it, <laughs> sure. my, my list is fairly extensive, you know, um, and probably boring. So I'm try again, I'm trying to keep this like short and sweet because, you know, a lot of it. So it's it's 100 percent mind, body, spirit, you know, so I have to exercise or do some kind of physical movement. I have to have um, I drink infusions every day. Um, a lot of them uh, water, uh, eating really good food, watching my diet. Uh, I've been, uh, my new goal now is to get like nine hours of sleep a night that is not happening, but I really want to, uh, go for that goal. Um, you know, just sort of living, you know, living really consciously and treating myself really well, as well as, you know, all of the other things I do, therapy, EMDR, uh, breath work, TRE therapy, craniosacral. I mean, I, acupuncture, I mean, I do so uh, I, you know, I just do a lot of somatic, um, 
a lot of my, uh, a lot of my healing is around trauma is around, um, physical, uh, and mental, I guess you would say physical, mental, emotional, you know, mind, body, spirit. Um, and so what I found over the years is that, um, the ways that I can be more in balance, um, and not be, uh, traumatized basically, um, at all times is by addressing my, my body. Like with, so with somatic, somatic therapy is, is the, the modes that are the, like, so what I'm saying, what I mean by that is, is basically not always talk therapy really does it for me. You know, it's, so it's, it's, um, kind of moving energy around feeling safe in my body, um, kind of so on and so forth. So these are, these are kind of some of the ways that I, and, you know, actually what you said, Amy, just reminded what you, something you said earlier reminded a really kind of integral part of my self-care practice is like really being able to feel absolutely no guilt around decisions I make, like in terms of, um, you know, saying no or not getting back to like a hundred DMS in my Instagram and not feeling bad or, you know, like, like I think a lot of energy gets drained when we make a decision, but then feel bad about it or find a way to kind of like beat ourselves up about, Oh, but if I don't go to the birthday party, they'll notice and they'll hate me. And like, you know, all that stuff. Um, and I'm, again, I'm not saying to be like some cold hearted, heartless, you know, person who's like ignoring your, you know, sister's birthday or something, but you know, making decisions, like checking in, making decisions on a slower timeline, not reacting and responding. Um, a lot of times, uh, responding, not reacting a lot of times a common theme with clients I see is that they're, um, they are on an autopilot of just saying, yes, 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 yes. I'll do the thing. I'll do the thing. Sure. I'll be right over. Sure. I have 20 minutes to talk, you know, and on and on and on because they want to be of service and they want to be helpful and they're kind hearted, loving people. Um, but if we don't combine that with both boundaries and self care and self time, um, you know, we really end up burning out. We end up feeling resent rented and to go back to our running theme of the interview, we, our trust in ourself begins to erode because we're making decisions and then not enjoying those decisions. And then we feel like we can't trust ourselves more. And then the cycle kind of like continues on and on, you know, I'm like snapping back here. Cause I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And I mean, I think part of it, I agree with everything you said. And I think to go even further into the whole idea of being a business owner is like the we are our own bosses. We get to create the rules of what that looks like. And so uh, we don't have to use the rules of quote unquote professionalism that have been like passed down. We can decide what we want professionalism to look like, you know? So Mm -hmm. for me, I don't, I don't mind swearing in front of my patients or on this podcast. I don't mind like having tattoos showing or stuff like that. You know what I, um, I don't mind like taking a couple days to respond to an email because I don't, my patients know that I'm not going to be at their beck and call all the time. You know, what is important to me is to be, um, you know, grounded and in person, like with my clients so that they know that they have my full attention. You know, there's other things that are important. And as 
you know, one of my values of my business is that like my health is what fuels my hustle, like the name of this podcast, then I think that my clients actually value when Mm -hmm. I do say no and be like, hey, right now I'm feeling really overextended. So I'm actually not going to be able to do this or that or whatever, um, because that's one of the values that I promote and want to cultivate in my clients. 100%. A million snaps back. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. Can we um, can we talk about altars and candles for a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not an expert, but uh, I just have my own practice. That's all. So sure. Yeah. Do you want to just share what your altar practice looks like? Basically kind of um, talking a little bit similar to the newsletter that you sent out maybe a couple months ago, the one where you were talking about how you would do a new altar with every moon cycle. I think for a while you said something in the newsletter about how in the beginning of your practice, you're really diligent about stuff and then you kind of like let it go a little bit and then you decided to recommit and the changes that you saw when doing that. Yes. um, Which is, really hilarious because you are catching me. I literally, the files for my book went to the printer on, we are talking on a Friday. They went to the printer on a Tuesday. I have spent all week like catching up on the things I needed to like. So I'm in a state right now of, again, kind of letting things slide. So I also want to say like, I'm not perfect. I'm not like always following even my own rules. But yes, the but I am excited this weekend because we're sort of in a dark moon weekend. I'm excited to do some purging, some clearing, reset up my altar, rededicate sort of my time. Um, yes. So the gist of the newsletter, I believe, was sort of about the idea that our magical life and our life is not separate. So that, you know, the point of making magic is living. The point I would hope of making magic is also living magically, right? So um, yes, for a long time, I would really diligently, um, even if I wasn't necessarily actively trying to in quotes manifest something because I've had you know years of my life where I wasn't trying to just actively do something or shed something or burn something or you know whatever um I would though change my altar out uh with a combination of the moon phase you know so every moon phase is about uh it's it's about one month a month is about one month. Um, so about every week that would sort of match the energy as well as doing a couple of things in correlation with the traditional phases. So let's just say if it was a waxing moon time, I would focus that much more on maybe my physical health or that much more on, um, you know, taking care of what I wanted to expand in my own life. Um, it could be really, really tiny, really, really small, but just to sort of fine tune, you know, what we're going to say. Kind of how I like end up cleaning out my closet always right before the new moon. I always randomly, like, I don't even always realize that it's the new moon time. Mm -hmm. And I just like find myself like pulling stuff out and getting bags together for the thrift store. All I want to do this weekend is go through all my closets and just get rid of everything and recycle and just clear away 100%, you know, and there doesn't have to be 
and a magical intention, you know, placed along with that. You know, there there are very practical ways to work just energetically with the cycles of the moon that I think just kind of keeps your life running that much more smoothly, you know? So yes, I also, I also believe in that same newsletter. I talked about making my rituals or making my spell work more of a ritual that really involved much more intentional self care. Like, um, you know, generally practitioners will take a ritual bath or, you know, they'll take a salt bath or they'll meditate and all of that. But, um, you know, I really took it a step further at that time in my life and like, made myself an amazing meal and did breath work and meditated and, you know, had this like amazing evening that there was spell work in, um, you know, but it was also more about myself feeding myself kind of mind, body, spirit, so to speak. And that, um, you know, even if my spell didn't work or, you know, something didn't pan out at, you know, I would have done something really wonderful for my body or for my, my mental health. Yeah, I mean, you kind of like win the jackpot just by doing it in by doing it. Yes. I love that. Um, Do you talk about uh, candle magic in the next uh, version of Many Moons? I do. I I did. I was like, I'm going to sit down and do a short primer. And it ended up being one of the longest uh, like entries in the book. It's like eight or nine pages long of everything from picking your candle, charging your candle, doing a candle service, um, ways to decorate your candle, you know, ideas for decorations, um, you know, working with your candle, uh, reading your candle, you know, cause you can read your candle, like you yeah. can read the flame or, or you can read the image that the soot, uh, kind of makes in it or the way the candle is burning, you know, um, and disposing of your candle. Um, I do, uh, yeah, it ended up, I was like, Oh, this will be easy. This will be super short, but Ooh, disposing of your candle. I feel like that's where I'm always like, I don't know, do I recycle this or do I like make my own candles and like use the, use the glass votive again? And, um, I feel like that's where I get kind of like caught in my own, like overactive brain. Well, I talk about that. So yeah, there, there are many ways to deal with that. (laughs) I'm excited to read it. I feel like, um, candle magic is something that we've brought into the clinic a lot at constellation Mm. like at the acupuncture clinic so not only in terms of like we have a lovely money altar at the clinic because it's a business and so we want to just like have lots of we'll put like fresh flowers and fruit and we've got different candles but um we have a beautiful little i don't know what they're called i think it's like a essential oil diffuser but where you put a tea candle underneath it and then you put mm-hmm. oils on it so that it can like make bring the aroma throughout the mm-hmm. whole space. And so at like one of the first things I do every day when I get to the clinic is I like grab a little tea candle. Sometimes I'll take a, a little pin and I'll draw a little design into it and put it on there. And sometimes I'll just, you know, give it as it is. Sometimes I'll put a little drop of essential oil like straight on the candle before I burn it. Um, but then even like we have candles in each one of the treatment rooms because we use them as kind of like a little eternal flame as we're doing like cupping and whatnot throughout the day and uh, I think that it's fun to 
put a little prayer of like health and healing for our patients, but also like some protection for ourselves and for that space and whatnot. And so candle magic is like one of the things that I've really personally gotten into in the last year and had a lot of fun with experimenting because it's, it is fun. You know, a lot of what magic should be is just like a big experimentation and should be just, I hate using the word should, but it, it is an invitation to have a lot of fun. 100%. Yeah. Candle magic. Uh, I love candle magic. Um, it's, I think it's like probably one of the ways that, you know, witches from all, cause you know, working with flame is everywhere. It's like all over the globe, what any kind of practice, you know, no matter where your kind of ancestry is from, um, you know, there's just something, it's like the first spark. It's like the first it's, it's was like the gateway to us being able to, uh, you know, cook food and be warm at night. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's one of, it's, I don't think I've, that's not true. It's not that I've never done a spell without a candle, but probably almost all my spells involve some kind of candle. 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's also, it's an unknown like the flame itself as opposed to like water that you can like hold in your hand or like earth or you can feel the wind like fire is so just enamoring in so many different ways 100 percent, yeah absolutely i love it so i'm saving this question for last and we don't have to go super deep into it if you don't want to or we can but um I wanted to talk about the idea of a healer and I know that you have mentioned many times either whether it's in like Instagram or in your newsletters that you don't necessarily call yourself a healer. I would say that's a word that I only recently have started feeling somewhat comfortable even self-identifying with um, because once again I feel like it takes the power away from the individual who's being healed because a lot of this power is within themselves even like as an acupuncturist like I'm just putting I'm putting needles in someone with intention and with um, lineage like behind it but the person's body is actually what is doing the work of doing like the self-healing and so this idea of a healer is really uncomfortable for myself and I was curious if you would share it all I don't know about your ideas of what is a healer yeah, I mean, you kind of answered uh, the answer you gave sort of an- like was sort of what I would say, basically, which is to say that, you know, if I call myself a healer, I mean, every single human being is a healer, you know, because they're healing, you know, something in some way at any given time. And that it. So I just want to like really clarify Language is like my best friend and my biggest enemy because it's really complicated. Um, I'm always unpacking language. I'm always thinking about the roots and entomology of certain words. And I'm also really thinking about context and like who's using these words and where and why. And I don't have a problem with the word healer and I don't have the problem. I don't have any problems with anybody using the word healer. There sometimes tends to be in my own noticing, just my own opinion. I'm only speaking for myself. A 
kind of hierarchy that is placed on some kinds of people, particularly white people who call themselves healers in doing new age work or, you know, energetic work or, you know, any, any kind of work. And I really shy away from doing that because, or calling myself that because I also want to know, like when someone calls themselves a healer, first of all, it's sort of in my mind, again, this is just my skewed freakazoid weirdo brain implies that a person sees someone else and then it's done and it's over and they can walk away and they've taken the pill and the healer has healed them. And there's all this expectation when, as you know, Amy, healing never ends. Like we're going to go to our graves and there's going to be something, you know, that like we'll pick it up next lifetime or, you know, whatever. So, you know, I think there's this idea that now in certain arenas of new age thought or the scene, it's the context in which it's being used. It's not the word. We're all healers. We're all healing. Um, you know, I don't call myself a healer because I'm a reader. I'm a tarot reader. I'm not a healer. I don't change someone's physical form. I don't put hands on someone. I don't cup someone. I don't massage someone. I don't comb someone's hair. I, I, I read tarot cards and I help them and I give them messages, but that's not, that's in the service of their highest self. And that's in the service of, um, hopefully transformation, hopefully, um, you know, I, I want to act as a guide and a helper, but I would never say I'm a healer because I'm not healing anybody. I love They're that you, healing themselves. Oh, a hundred percent. And I love that you use the word like helping facilitate transformation. Cause I feel like a lot of what healing is, is just transformation. I mean, even all of us that are trying to help heal the planet, we're trying to help transform it from the current state that it's in to a healthier one. Um, and so I, I, I mean, we're totally on the same page with all of this, but I, one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you because, cause I like your perspective on it. I also just think, again, we just have to be really careful about what words we're using and why and context and clarifying. And, you know, this is like a process and it kind of also in a way um, goes back to sort of this other thing I was talking about earlier about the sacrifices we make in the sense that I'm invested in my healing, whether I, I may never, I, well, I know, I mean, I might be healed if I get a bone marrow transplant. That's the only way I'm saying using healed in quotes for those of you who are listening, which is all of you, you can't see, um, you know, I, I could be cured theoretically, but I'll still have other things in my life. I have to work on healing. So I think just like using it, using these terms kind of like responsibly, um, is what I'm interested in and clarifying, just clarifying what exactly, um, uh, you know, what is exactly we're doing, why, why we're doing it and how, you know? Yeah, I agree with all those things. Thank you so much for sharing today. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, can you share with everybody where they can find the last, cause everyone should know that this is the last many moons workbook mm -hmm. that is coming out and it'll be, uh, I think this episode's probably going to go out sometime mid June. So yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, they can. Um, I'm just telling everyone I should really I should really be investing in Google because the times a day I tell someone to Google something is like reaching, you know, like I should invest in Google stock. Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But um, yeah, they can Google many moons workbook. Um, they can find it on my site, which is modern women dot big cartel. Um, and that's where they can get it. And it will be sold and many retailers, including the future. Um, I do not ship anywhere but the U.S. and Canada. So if you're listening and you're not in the U.S. and Canada, there are many retailers that will be shipping international that you can find by going on my website, which I'm sure will be in Amy's amazing show notes, um, or just doing some Googling. Googling. I think when you Google Many Moons Workbook, that's you'll, you'll be able to find it. So thank you so much. Awesome. And I also want to give a little shout out to Sarah has a podcast that has come out within the last year called Ideal Futures. Um, I'm forgetting your co-host name. Can you give her? Gina. Gina. Okay, Gina. And it's really great, and you can find it on iTunes, and I highly suggest that you take a listen to it. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you, too. Bye, Sarah. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Health Fuels Hustle. If you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can find them at healthfuelshustle.com or on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more about fueling your hustle, make sure you check out my website at amykoretsky.com. That's where you can find all of my free resources, sign up for my weekly-ish newsletter health notes, and learn more about how you can work with me to help you reach